0: Welcome to Music for Life Radio, where we power your potential to build mental fitness with music that supports your life. I am Judith Pinkerton, a licensed music therapist and founder of Music for Life. I am so glad you decided to join us as we explore together this month's national theme of mental health awareness. We'll find music's capability of reducing unrelenting stress, interviewing, a board-certified music therapist from the eastern region of the United States of America. As we tackle unrelenting stress problems that can destroy mental fitness, I've invited our expert on our show today who deals daily with politicians, music therapists, government bureaucrats, legislation, licensing, and other state recognition issues, and advocacy Multiplied by 52, as every state is completely unique. Our special guest today is Judy Simpson, a board certified music therapist who works full time as director of government relations for the American Music Therapy Association. Judy, you have an interesting job working with music therapists all over the country. Thank you so much for squeezing us in <laughs> your busy day. Welcome to Music for Life. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. You know, you started this job with AMTA, and now you have a thriving team of professionals who support working with most states' government task forces. How many state task forces do we have now in the United States We actually have 43 states that have
1: developed task forces. Not all of them are actively pursuing legislation right now, but we have music therapists that have gone about learning more about advocacy and getting comfortable with speaking to their legislators and their state agencies so they can increase access to music therapy services in their state. So it's very exciting and it's a very busy time.
0: (laughs) And you have unrelenting stress. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, that's an understatement no, I loved how you said um <laughs> that i the the daily stress that I deal with is um yeah, it, the politics of it the the um issues that you deal with, um I think a lot of people when they think of activity in washington d c which is where we're based out of um you know, and how frustrating that can be when you feel like nothing's happening or there's not enough movement or it's not happening fast enough. And um, with our advocacy that we're doing at the state level in collaboration with our certification board for music therapists, um, we see that on the state level as well. And so it's, like you said, 52 different ways, all those different legislators, and each state is so unique in its personality, in how its legislative system works. And um, just when you think you've got it figured out, then they come up with a new way to maybe put a kink in the plan that you had. (laughs) So you have to be constantly flexible, you know. You have to be flexible to to know when to move, when to change, and, and how to respond and how to come up with another answer to solve the problem.
0: Right. And, you know, it's interesting, too, as you look at all of the states and how many music therapists are actually in every state, and you've got as many as just a handful in one state compared to hundreds and hundreds, you know, in other states, and it's it's like dividing equal time. So, you know, I, can, I can't help myself. I go back, what's it already, 2015? We go back to 2007, <laughs> eight years ago, yeah. when yeah. we were having our advocacy efforts in Carson City, Nevada. And we were still kind of pretty new to what all this was like. In fact, you know, I admit, I didn't even know what state recognition was, but all I knew is that I wanted a license. <laughs> <laughs> you knew you wanted it, right. Well, yeah and
1: I I knew I exactly I do I think a lot of it is you know it's that validation of not only the profession but of our training, our education, our clinical training, our board certification. I think it's um it's an important part for um health professions to obtain that level of state recognition, no matter if it's a license or a registry, but somehow that the state puts their stamp on that profession, so that Consumers know that it's a qualified profession and that people are competent to offer the practice.
0: Yeah, and I remember distinctly one, one time um, Senator Dennis, who was who was our champion for the bill that was passed and signed by the governor for music therapy licensure, he said someone remarked to him that, "Well, you want to do all of this work for just twelve music therapists," and his response was, "And." There are twelve music therapists that need this. So again, well, and that you you bring up a really
1: good point because some of our early success, you know, with state legislation was in states that had so you know a limited number of music therapists because between Nevada and North Dakota that first year, a total of maybe twenty-five total therapists in both states. So it wasn't really about the numbers to the legislators; it was about consumer protection and making sure that not only the public was safe from harm, but that um the music therapists were able to work and able to provide services and um and be employed in their state. So you can you can really look at it from, from multiple sides and there are benefits to everybody involved in the process.
0: Yeah. So when you when you consider um that we've only got what, six thousand board certified music therapists in the country? Mm-hmm. Is it around that, I think. We're um over compared to the per- Yeah, I mean, compared to other professions that we co-treat with, um, that is so small. It's like there's a shortage of music therapists, you know, that we need more, we need more, we need more degree programs, we need, you know, so on and so on. And so it's really almost like we have a shortage of music therapists. Um, And I know that we've had um, some some issues come up nationally with, you know, what's the difference between a a musician and a music therapist? And, you know, why do you need to have training? You know, we, music heals, we know that, you know, we can do this. And so I know you have been championing um, some presentations that have been happening at music therapy conferences this spring. And I was um, uh, benefited from being able to attend one that you had done at our conference in Western region <laughs> And um, we actually had two musicians there. Now, these musicians are actually a kind of a step above um, just a regular musician, right? Because they've got Correct. some sort of training that they can hang their hat on and call themselves a therapeutic musician. So, for our listeners, could you kind of describe the difference between what a therapeutic musician is? Because what I'm what I'm noticing and where I'm going with this is that with a shortage of music therapists, um, you know, where we can't handle all the incoming requests that might be across the country, that some sort of collaboration um, appropriately done and understood by all levels of participants can be a, a win-win, right?
1: Definitely, definitely. And it's something that with the American Music Therapy Association in Communication with the National Standards Board for therapeutic musicians, which represents actually three different groups of um, clinical training programs that they have within their board. And we've been talking over the last couple of years to look at ways to um, increase that cooperation and collaboration between the music therapists and the therapeutic musicians. Because when someone goes into a hospital setting or a nursing home setting, they're not going to know the difference. So public's not necessarily going to know the difference between a music therapist and a therapeutic musician because from maybe just observing it, it looks the same. They're they're musicians, they're providing music in a healthcare setting. Um I think the the biggest difference is that therapeutic musicians are not involved in a treatment planning process as opposed to music therapists who are a part of that treatment team. Say for instance, a physician would order um, music therapy to be provided to a patient, where a therapeutic musician is one that goes in and plays music at the bedside, and isn't necessarily isn't involved in setting any goals for that patient. They're not working on any active treatment plan. They're not collaborating per se with the nursing staff and the speech therapist to work on functional goals for that patient. What they're doing is allowing to you know provide the music to make the environment um, more healing, more positive, less frantic, especially when you think of a hospital setting, um, to make it a more uh, positive experience when someone has to go through some type of medical procedure. And so I think there's just been you know an increase in the number of practitioners that use music therapeutically, and there is a way for us to collaborate so that more people can have access. Um, I think one of the biggest things that we have really been um, emphasizing in our state recognition process is that as music therapists, we don't own music. If anything, we want more music for everyone because we see the benefit of it. And whether that's from you playing the music in your car when you're in a traffic jam to all the way to the other end of the continuum where you're actually in a hospital and having a medical procedure and you're using music provided by a therapist to help you get through that procedure and help you have better outcomes medically, um, there's everything in between. And that's where therapeutic musicians can come in too because I feel like we can almost refer to each other. Um, There are some times when you need a music therapist because of the goals and the treatment plan and the, the issues that you're working on require that level of training as opposed to situations where you just need to listen to music to help your environment be more positive and to help you relax and be calm and help you to heal um, so, yeah, there's definitely ways that we can collaborate. And I'm really excited that we've started this communication in a, in a way to expand opportunities for the public to receive music um, so that they don't feel – and this is – I think what's important, too, is this is live music, and there's a difference. I mean, even though recorded music definitely has its place, when we're thinking about music therapy and we're thinking about therapeutic musicians – primarily that intervention is live and in the moment. And that's what's really nice about it too is because we can change it in the moment in response to the client and the reaction that the client might have. So that if we're finding that music's not working for that individual, we can change it and we can be responsive in the moment.
0: I remember the two that we had presenting um, at Western Region, the, the two therapeutic musicians, and I was so... Um surprised at their level of training, one was a nurse, and right. was choosing to do this I think in her was it her off hours first and then she became retired um but this was really a passion for her, where she just loved to be able to express herself through her instrument
1: exactly and so she had always been a musician, but had been more of a um I can't remember what type of nursing she was in, if she was in a surgical operating room situation. I think she was an oncology nurse, actually. And how she had seen the benefits of her patients using music and how she wanted to learn more about how to apply those techniques. And so going back to one of the questions you asked um, about the therapeutic musicians' training, they actually have these three different programs. You can be a clinical musician. You can be a, a music practitioner, or you can be a harp therapist. And in those different training programs, each one of them has a different um, core group of courses that you take. And some of them are, you know, not very many hours. I think the 45 hours of therapeutic music, one-to-one at the bedside, they have like a clinical time where they practice their skills, as opposed to a music therapist that has to do 1,200. So you can see there's a, a big difference in the number of hours. But, um they still do learn about um, how the body responds to music, and they have to learn about healthcare protocols, just like anybody else that works in healthcare. So it's it's pretty clear the difference in the training. But what's great is that they also have you know boundaries that they follow and a scope of practice that they follow, just as music therapists do, and just as other healthcare professions. And so, I feel that. We're getting better at being able to define what we should and shouldn't do within our professions and what we when we know we need to refer to someone else. Just as a music therapist, you know, knows when it's time to refer to the physician or to the nurse or to another therapist with different skills, so does the therapeutic musician know when it's time to refer to a music therapist and and when yeah. that uh, when that need is necessary.
0: So the that- You know, music therapists work in so many different settings, work settings. So therapeutic musicians are just primarily in medical, like primarily hospitals?
1: Primarily hospitals, some nursing homes. Um, A lot of them actually got their start within hospice programs because they were, um, I know, with the music practitioners and the harp therapists, some of their initial work and um, clinical areas really focused on the transitioning for people who, were actively dying, and so hospice programs were an ideal place for those musicians to play. And they don't play what you—I mean, they—they they could play traditional music or music that you are familiar with, but oftentimes the music they present is improvised in the moment and is based. Um, I and I've learned more about the way that they're trained and the, and the music that they play, um, in that it um, could be more tonal or based on certain chord progressions and really based on the mood that you want to set in the room. And so it's not necessarily that they're going to sit down and play a song that you would hear on the radio. Um, So I think that's uh, another big difference. Um, Music therapists also improvise and also create music in the moment, but we also um, utilize music that a patient is familiar with to work on therapeutic processes that we're dealing with with that particular individual and what their needs are as opposed to a therapeutic musician going in and simply playing music for the environment and to help the patient relax. So, yeah. I don't know if that helps. It's a little bit different, yeah. and, but there's yeah. a lot of crossover, too. I mean, it's it's been very interesting to hear and learn more even about their programs and their trainings and realizing, you know, they have some of the training that music therapists also receive. It's just that they don't have that active treatment engagement with the client themselves.
0: Right. So it's possible in a collaboration that a music therapist one music therapist could be full time at a hospital say and that there could be several therapeutic musicians working under that music therapist pointing them about where to go or just being able to um have that umbrella to be under and so looking at collaboration are there um faci- there are facilities right now that do that right Yes, there are some often. Mhm.
1: And they might have like a healing arts program where they have an art therapist and a music therapist and then they have um therapeutic musicians who might come in, they might have artists in residence who play in the lobbies, whereas so there's the that you kind of look at it as this continuum once again. Um mm-hmm. the music you do for yourself, the music that you listen to that professional musicians provide in public settings the therapeutic musician who could be playing at your bedside, and then the music therapist who works with you on specific treatment goals using music. And so you could see that wide range. And I think it's really we're starting to see more facilities kind of understand that continuum and that there's a benefit to all types. Um, It's just a matter of having the right coordination to make it work so that everybody has access to all the music that they need.
0: Right. I love the phrase of continuum of care as it applies to the healing arts levels. Um, and I know that we've got various levels, too, of volunteer musicians that go in. The therapeutic musicians actually get paid, and, and of course, we know music therapists get paid. Um, so there's, there's also that whole um, level of musicians that just come in to donate their time. Mm-hmm. and the, but that's not the therapeutic musicians the therapeutic musicians are paid correct
1: typically although i think some of them you know have volunteered and some of them do um but they do also look for paid positions so it's not um yeah. it more leans on the side of being a paid position and, and they tend to be um part time um oftentimes like you mentioned they might have another career So the woman who spoke at the Western Conference is actually she's still working as a nurse part time, and then does the therapeutic musician work as part time. So um, that is frequently um, frequently seen, I think, in some of the folks that have taken the therapeutic musician training.
0: Okay, all right. So as we look at um, wanting music in our lives um, and knowing with your job that you've now had thrust on you yet another oh potential certification problem where people are confusing what music therapists do with what therapeutic musicians do and so on that you have layers and layers of stress of oh no not another huge problem <laughs> that I'm being taxed with to deal with <laughs> and so you're you're having to take care of yourself as well and so one of our main topic today is really looking at what unrelenting stress, you know, is all about and how how do we take care of ourselves. And when you sent me um, a fabulous list of songs, which our listeners can go to at the Music for Life blog um, to see all of the links that will take you to all of these songs, we're just going to kind of go through a, a journey. And I know that you said, wow, you know, it's been a while since I've been able to really look at all of this. Um, and so maybe these songs were brought back into your life as a result of this. <laughs> but the first one that you listed, Judy, was Uptown Funk with Bruno Mars. <laughs> and I have and I have to ask you, you've seen him dance, right? Mhm. Yes. So so do you have that visual going on in your head at the same time that you're um enjoying the song? Yes,
1: I do. <laughs> I do, um, and I have to say that it really helps to have a 25 year old daughter to help keep me in the keep me up with you know current music. I think, and also being a music therapist, I'm constantly listening to, mm-hmm. new, to new music. But I think mm-hmm. there's just there's something about that song, and it's so funny. I've talked to so many people who feel the same way. Um, that song, I think, when I had to really pinpoint what is it about that song that makes it therapeutic for me and makes me be able to deal with stressful situations, and obviously it's the rhythm, it's the beat, it's the the um, syncopation, it's the driving, it's the fast lyrics, it, you know, it just uh-huh. keeps you focused, and I think I realized when I started to really look at all the songs I sent you, I thought, wow, that really is kind of pervasive through all the songs that I picked. I Typically, I'm not one to listen to something soft and soothing when I want to (laughs) de-stress. I tend to listen to something very rhythmic, very driving, that has, you know, a lot of uh, – either the harmony is really strong, or there's horns, there's brass, trumpets, trombones, saxophones. You know, it's like there's got to be good, strong instrumentation, and it's got to be interesting um, that it's not just the same – calming and there's a time for that but for me personally i need that driving rhythm <laughs> to help me deal with my stress so yeah
0: it's well, a great think it's typic- i think it's typical though of um the lifestyle that now revolves around this huge job that you've created um and so it's like you don't you just don't have any time to stop and it's really <laughs> indicative, you know, in the music that you selected because it's all driving, it's all keeping you at that speed, you know, in a positive way to be able to deal with anything that might come in the door and you have no clue what that's going to be until you pick up the phone and see what they want. <laughs>
1: that's right. Or read sometimes the email, you know. <laughs> you're, you're like, really? You really have that question? <laughs> so, sometimes it is. It's, um, it's that unexpected, kind of out of the blue, didn't see it coming type of stress that, mm-hmm. you know, you have to, in the moment you respond and you react and you do the best you can and then you, you know, hang up the phone and you try to problem solve about, you know, what's the long-term response or answer. But then when, you, when you're when you able to take a step back and I can turn on the music that helps me, it totally lets me let it go and that I can set it aside and I can have fun. I think that's one of the things that I... When I turn on that music and the music list that I sent you, it just makes me feel good. And whether it's because I've got a positive memory, because it's an old song from my past, or it is that driving rhythm that just lets me focus on what is happening right now, and I'm having fun right now, and I'm not thinking about the stress that just happened on the phone. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, yeah. Thinking of visuals, I was able to pull up your next song uh, by Maroon 5, uh, where Adam Levine said, "We're gonna see how many weddings we can go to today, and sing sugar." <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you see the Did you see the video? I
1: have seen the video. I love the video. Oh it makes my feel gosh! Good. It's <laughs> the surprise when all these couples with Rune Five just shows up at their reception
0: and starts singing for them—it's amazing.
1: I would. That would I be incredible. know.
0: I just. It was. <laughs> it was totally incredible. So that was a great choice. <laughs> And very, very high energy again, you know, just as you were saying. And then the next one you picked, Your Lips Are Moving by Megan Trainer. <laughs> I just had to laugh because, <laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> I I was listening to going, okay, so if for those of you that may not know the lyrics, some of the lyrics say, if your lips are moving, then you're lying, lying, lying. Baby boy, look <laughs> at me in my face. Tell me that you're not just about this bass. You really think I could be replaced? Nah, I come from outer space and I'm a classic girl. I'm a hold it up. You're full of something but it ain't love and what we got straight overdue. Go find somebody new. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, Jay.
1: <laughs> that's not related to my relationship with my husband, I promise. <laughs> uh, no, it's when I when I thought about that cuz that's another great example of a song my daughter and I can be, you know, on a road trip. And we're dancing in the car and singing the lines, and you know this just great totally release, totally experience the moment and have the fun right as you're you know spending that time together, um really positive energy and just I think on top of that, I do think of those words though, when I think of some legislators
0: <laughs> so, or I know
1: perhaps the, the opposition that we have to deal with sometimes, so you know it's good mm-hmm. to release I, that. and
0: Yep, I was going down that path see I'm like, I would just laugh, and when I read the words, went, okay, I can see why you're listening to this one. <laughs> so yeah, so it helps you cope.
1: It helps you cope with some of those things that in politics you just can't find an answer for. So
0: yeah, so for our listeners who um, might really uh, groove with this and and find that you've maybe got some anger issues, you know, where you're looking at this song as maybe a passive aggressive thing that, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm going to be happy taking this out on you. <laughs> um you might want to choose some uh some other possibilities with, you know, uh, to get rid of the anger because this if if you're experiencing anger, um this piece n- is not necessarily going to help you shift out of it, but it could. So it's just something to consider <laughs> as you continue to look at your music listening habits. <laughs> the next one you picked the next one you pick was "Got to Get You Into My Life" by Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, and I—I I don't know what you were thinking of with that, but I had this thought about advocacy. You know, come on, come into my life. I got to get you here because I need you. <laughs> what were you thinking? Yeah, I mean,
1: it's just that's just a really good feel. And it just has incredible memories for me um, from a long time ago. And it's, once again, I feel like the music itself, it's not even so much the words on that song for me. It's the syncopation. And it's so interesting. I love music that doesn't, isn't just repetitive and doesn't do the same thing every time. And so if there's a change in the chorus or a change in the verse that keeps you on your toes. And I think maybe Mm -hmm. I seek that out because that's the way my life is. I have to be on top of things, and I have to stay alert and be prepared. And so when I listen to music, I just I, I crave that, I think, and it makes me feel like I have a little bit more control because I can't anticipate it. <laughs> and yeah. um, it makes me feel safe to know that, in this music, I know that's going to happen and it's going to happen every time. It's not going to be a surprise, but that it's interesting to me and it keeps my focus. Um, and so oh, I think I love that's the
0: that. reason I pick that. We are running out of time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I Amazing. I
0: time is going to go by fast. Yes, it is. for did. Our listeners, we've got um, Doobie Brothers Listen to the Music, Hands in Your Blues Away, Chicago Saturday in the Park. I saw that as something like an event, community building <laughs> so that you might be thinking example. of with some advocacy, yeah. And then oh. Al Jerro with Morning, um, which was really more about connecting with the inner spirit. Kenny Loggins, Footloose. <laughs> I can see doing uh, listening to it before or after an advocacy event or testifying before the Senate. <laughs> That's right, when a bill passes we do footloose <laughs> Yeah, exactly And then of course the, the no lyrics Spyrogyra and Glenn Miller with Catching the Sun In the Mood and Little Brown Jug You know, these are just wonderful selections Thank you so much for being on the show with me today, Judy We went on quite a journey through a variety of topics About unrelenting stress You've been listening to Music for Life with Judith Pinkerton And it is my sincere mission to have inspired you with Life Skills featuring Music Medicine for Health and today's special guest, Judy Simpson. Till we meet again, notice how you purposefully and positively self-medicate with music to build your mental fitness and emotional mastery. You can find our divisions at Music for Life with music therapy, music medicine, wellness, and drum circles. Use music to support your life now.